Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. Hi, my name is Craig Arnold. Um, I'm a poet and essayist, also a professor and teach at the University of Wyoming in Laramie. I'm stopping into San Francisco today on my way to Japan, where I'll spend five months wandering on the trail of master poet and pilgrim Matsuo Basho and uh, writing about the experience. The poem I'm going to read to you today is from my second book, Made Flesh. Um, it's a book of love poems, essentially, also a book about love, erotic love especially, and it draws very heavily on Greek mythology. The one I'm going to read for you today is a remix, if you like, of a very old myth, uh, maybe one of the oldest we have on record. Hymn to Persephone Help me remember this, how once the dead were locked out of the ground and wandered sleepless and sun-blinded. She was the one who took them each by the hand, helped them lay their bodies back in the dark, sweet decay, gladly, as onto a lover's bed, they call her Kore, the maiden, a dark queen with a crown of blood-colored poppies. Her fingers lift the cool coins from a dead girl's eyelids. Her breath in a man's mouth releases him from memory. There was a man who would play fast and loose with love. She smiled at first to hear him tossing around her nicknames like cheap wedding confetti, pretty butt, manslayer, smile lover, or mocking the blessed valentine folded up in her lap, petal pink as a seashell. But when he swore he'd never let love knock the wind out of him and leave him panting, that set her teeth on edge. Love is a cruel justice. She makes us pay for her lover's sins as well as our own, and she took away the one whose loss would hurt him deepest. Maybe he would have wept, but grim determination came to him more easily than tears, and so he followed the road that only the desperate walk with their eyes open, where the willows bend to comb their fingers through the river, and the long grass cuts the ankles. Stalks of mullein stand like tall candles, the dead mixed with the living, and spiders weave webs between them, glint in the sunlight, the vague gray country where all the shadows gather, and the dark queen keeps them safe in her lightless mansion. She was sitting out on her porch, peeling a pomegranate, leaning back in her chair, feet propped on the railing, her face a cool and cloudless moon, ink-black hair. Who are you, she called. Most of my visitors come here with their arms crossed and pennies laid over their eyes. My eyes are open, he answered. Nothing I do can close them. Night after night I lie awake, counting my heartbeats. My hands won't work. They can't seem to hold anything. Come in the house, then. She held the door half open and deep in the dark hallway he thought he could see the faintest flutter of movement, and he was afraid. She took his hand, her fingers cool as a cave of water-hollowed limestone. Someone you knew, she asked, this graceful tender of shadows. My advice to you is to go home and grieve her. Sound the well of your tears as deeply as you can. Wipe your eyes, and be glad you're still among the living." Why, he demanded, you could bring her back in a heartbeat. Maybe, she said. 
Do you think you're the first to come here, chasing after someone they lost? But you have the guilty look of a man who tossed away what he loved too lightly. How can I feel sorry for you? You don't know the first thing about my love, he snapped. So prove it, she said. Sing me a love song. Who is this girl you miss so much that you come to my house to fetch her out of the shadows? He sang of the first permission of flesh and flesh to entangle, how we abandon the guard of our heart and throw our borders open and welcome a sweet invader to take possession, the sudden exquisite catch in a throat and the slow hush of a breath unfettered, the sweetest sounds to a lover's ear. He sang of hands finding shyly at first their way to another shelf of hips. Oh, how the heart flares and melts like wax spilling over a candle's lip. Even the spiders stopped spinning their webs to listen. I like your song, she said. Maybe you'll come back and sing it again for me before too long. He shivered. Out of her lawn she plucked a withered stem of mullein. Take this and go home and you'll find her waiting. I'll give you one more day and night and the morning after to spend together however you please. I warn you, though, when the time comes, say your goodbyes and don't look back. That day the cherry trees in the square had just flowered, making a roof of white blossom over their heads. That day they walked with the awkwardness of the long parted and sat on either side of a table and shared a pizza and washed it down with a half-carafe of cheap red wine, and tried to talk their way back into their bodies. And as they left, the leaf buds were a green promise. And when she stopped to put on more lipstick, she'd left it all printed around the rim of her glass, he laughed and said, There goes my chance to kiss you. Why, she replied, would you ever let that stop you? And they took each other's lips frankly, took their faces between each other's hands, and the tears were shaken out, like raindrops beaded on a branch, and they were barely able to have enough of touching, and they kissed each other dry, and over breakfast they smiled so hard that it hurt. They went to make the bed and found the sheets bloody, and so they fished through all their pockets for quarters and walked down to the corner laundromat, where they sat together, holding hands as they waited and watched the dryer tumble. Together they folded linen, billowed it out between them to shake away the wrinkles, and brought the corners together in halves, in quarters, their bodies coming at each fold closer and smiling at each other over the hot cotton. The clock hand spun in circles, and soon morning was over, and all they had left was the long drive to the airport, the slow walk through the terminal, trying to talk each other out of sorrow, their voices bright with desperation, until they stood at the edge of what any words could comfort. Don't try to follow me this time, she said. Whatever else happens, we made each other happy for a day. Yes, he agreed, and they turned to walk away from each other, and though he struggled bravely to keep his face together, he cracked. He ran tear-broken back through the concourse and caught her up in his arms until she eased gently out of his clasp and kissed him one last time and left him. But too late. The moment he turned, a demon of memory sat hard on his shoulder and caught hold of his ear, murmuring over and over the words of their final parting, what, what would have given the story a happier ending? Out in the meadow that day, 
dark purple butterflies sipped the sweet nectar from yellow cups of blossom and blundered into the webs where the big spiders waited to tuck them into the soft silk of their winding sheets, all their legs a wiggle of happy anticipation. What are you doing here? she asked him, not unkindly. You look awful. Your eyes are spilling over with memory. The world hurts to look at, he said, all glitter and sharp edges. I'm sorry, she said, but didn't I warn you to take your time together and let it go at that? It would have been kinder. Instead, you sent your love back to my mansion, loaded with twice the grief she left with, her own and yours also. And with that, he felt like he'd fallen into a dark lake, and the cold had got his bones, and he was slipping under. Let me join her then, he said. I'm sick of living. No, she told him. Twice you've come here uninvited, and before I let you lay yourself in my bed forever... Go back to the sunlit world and tell your story. All I can offer you, if you aren't afraid to accept it, is a kind of consolation. And then she gave him a look that was almost shy. First, would you do me a small favor? Make me another song, like the last one you sang me. Only this time, sing to me of the self-effacing surrender of love that we give knowing we have to lose it. And so he sang of the love that is not so fearful of ending that fear ends it. Love that admits the flavor of pain, the pulling apart of ivy tendrils ripped from a tree. Love that lays itself in the grave of another body, sweetened by loss, as we lose ourselves in our lover's arms, given completely over to pleasure, the dark flower that opens, petal by petal, unfolding us to the utmost pitch of surrender, lost in the joy of self-forgetting. Then he praised the maiden who makes us a gift of grieving, to spill the bowl of our tears when it grows too heavy, the grace to release our beloved kindly into her care, and not to fear the soft tap of her footsteps approaching, her fingers touching our eyelids, when she comes to invite us into her bed and with cool, unhurried hands unravels the milky threads of our thoughts and memories. May we part with them gladly and go more easily into the dark flower." And the girl smiled, as if they'd shared a secret. And she broke the mullein stalk in half, and then in quarters, pressed the pieces into his palm, and closed his fingers. Throw these to the wind, she commanded. And he did. And they were lost in the long grass that cuts the ankles. Then she reached on her tiptoes. He was a head taller, and breathed into his mouth the scent of mint and violets. And he woke up alone in the other world, and he was walking down a familiar street, and it had been raining all night, and the boughs of the trees were black and heavy, and the first cars of the morning passed, with their tires hissing over the black top, and under his feet he felt the pavement slither, a carpet of petals battered down by the raindrops, and each puddle swirled with the slick of green-gold pollen, and though he couldn't remember how or when it happened, his heart had been spilled, and at its quick was planted a wet seed that he'd never known before. And it was spring. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, visit kqed.org slash writersblock.
The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.